okay, it's summertime, the sun's out, we're outside, unless, you know, we have Oregon and California smoke blowing our way, and then we're all hacking and coughing, you know, up in Idaho and Montana, wherever else they were coming from. But if you're like me, uh, if you're out in the sun for any amount of time without sunglasses, your eyes start to get strained. You start to get kind of eye aches and headaches. And, and all of a sudden you start to feel like, Wah, right? Like I realized if I am outside without sunglasses on, I get exceptionally like grouchy and kind of like, ah, just because it hurts, right? Sunglasses just do a good job of helping our eyes to relax, to see more clearly and things like that. So I, I'm kind of curious as to what, criteria you choose your sun how many of you are sunglass wearers okay so most people not everybody you're you're weird if you're just kidding there there's times where i'll be like where you're not wearing oh i'm fine i was like you are so much tougher than me i'm not gonna lie um how many of you one of your top criteria is style okay how many of you is like quality, like features, like you're willing to pay like $200 for a pair of sunglasses because, okay, it's only, it's only, it's, it's okay. I'm raising my hand on that one. So, oh, you're like, here we go. How many of you are like cheap? Like we're talking dollar general, like I have five pairs everywhere I go. Okay. So confession time, I am a sunglass snob. Like, Oakley, Ray-Ban, like Bole back when they were a thing. Um, like I am willing to pay $100, $200 for a pair of sunglasses because I want quality, right? I want it to look nice, but I also want quality because um, of features like polarized lens, okay? You ever, how many of you have ever owned a pair of polarized sunglasses, right? How many of you, after getting polarized sunglasses, only buy polarized sunglasses after that? So it's funny. I didn't realize, I mean, I knew, hey, polarized reduces glare, but I didn't really understand until I was kind of like, well, if I'm going to talk about this on Sunday morning, I better learn about this. And so I did. I went to the Every Pastor's Best Friend, Google, and I Googled, how do polarized lenses work, right? And I still don't understand. It's kind of like the Trinity. I'm kind of like, yes, I get it. I believe in it, but I still don't understand how it works that way, but it works, okay? Um, but if I understand correctly, the way that the, the, the waves come, this, the light rays come off of the sun and they're vertical waves, right? Now, if, if, if I am butchering this, blame Google, okay? Um, but I went to multiple sites. Um, but it's like, it's like vertical waves like this. When it hits reflective surfaces like water, glass, uh, shiny paint, things like that. What it does is it goes from vertical waves to horizontal waves. And so when we're outside, we have vertical waves coming at us. But when we're looking at shiny things, it actually, we're getting the vertical and the horizontal. And that's what causes, causes glare. So, you know, there's times where you're like, oh man, it's just really, really bright. Um, what the polarized lenses does is they work some voodoo magic and then they put it either in or on the outside. That's that, that my technical understanding of it. Um, the, they polarize it. And what that does is it blocks the horizontal waves, the ones, the waves that create glare to where only the, the vertical waves make it into your eyeballs. Okay. 
And that's how it works. Okay. All right. We all learned something today. Um, but I was just like, okay, that actually kind of somewhat makes sense to me is that polarized lenses reduce the clutter, reduce the unnecessary, the unwanted, the, the stuff that just causes pain and confusion and chaos and fatigue and all those kind of things. What I love is that, uh, like, you know, go to Shields and they have all the sunglasses over there. And then they have uh, the sunglasses booth. And if you take, if you just look at it with your bare eye, or with just non-polarized lenses, you just see the Maui Gym logo, right? Cool logo, whatever. But you put on a pair of polarized sunglasses and there's a parrot behind the logo. And that parrot has been there the whole time. We just didn't know it. We didn't see it because we had too many confusing, conflicting messages going on into our eyes and ultimately our brains, right? The image was there the whole time, but we needed a particular type of lens to see what was really actually there. We're a lot like that. A lot of times, all we see is what we think we see. We don't look deeper. We don't look behind. We, we get so caught up on what the first glance is that we don't dig deeper and we don't really get the full perspective of what's going on. We don't think about what lens we're looking through. And we tend to miss things at best or completely miss things altogether at worst. This is going to be the same dynamic that we're looking at this morning in the next section of James. What lens do we see life through? Faith looks through the lens of wisdom. Faith is wise. Let's read in James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere and those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. James contrasts two different lives or two different types of lenses, if you will, that we approach life with. The first is this, the lens of wisdom. The Greek word here is Sophia. Are there any Sophias here? Anybody? Your name literally means wisdom. That is really, really cool. Right? Sometimes I wish my name wasn't Jason. It's kind of boring. However, it does mean healer, so that's kind of cool. But Sophia, wisdom. Wisdom basically means this it's a full, comprehensive, broad, practical knowledge of things human and divine. 
It's an intelligence, it's learning, it's discovery, but it's not just abstract knowledge about, it's applied understanding. It's when, it's when uh, intelligence and action collide, right? Like it's comprehensive. There's just something very, very powerful about wisdom. Wisdom is mentioned 367 times in the Bible. It's kind of an important theme, right? Proverbs 4, verse 7, it says, Get wisdom. Though it cost all you have, get understanding. Proverbs 16, 16, Wisdom is better than gold. Insight is better than silver. I don't know what's better than bronze. It didn't go that far. So this, that was funny. Come on. That was Olympics. Come on. Come on. There we go. Um, humor is better than bronze. Man, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll quit. First Corinthians 1.25 says, The foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. Proverbs 1.7 talks about what wisdom is and where it comes from. Get this, three words. Fear the Lord. You want to know what wisdom is and how to get it? Fear the Lord. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Wisdom comes when we humble ourselves in front of God. When we humble ourselves, when we lay ourselves down at the foot of the cross on our continual, regular basis, we start to see life as he sees it. Wisdom means that we stop evaluating things based solely on what I see, what I think, what I feel, what I want. We start to see who God is, what he thinks, what he feels, what he wants. We grow in that wisdom simply by spending time with God. We talk a lot about this. Why do, why do we study the Bible? Because it's how we get to know God. And when we get to go know God, we get to know ourselves and each other and the world better just by simply getting to know God, talking to him on a regular basis, just having conversations, aka prayer, right? When we worship when we worship, we rehearse truths in our minds, in our hearts. We, we call ourselves back to what's reality, not, not the emotion or, or, or the things like that. It's, it's no, it's reminding ourselves what is true. That is what worship is. It's, it's hearing what God is saying to us, and it's giving us language to express our hearts to God. We continue to... Um, to worship, we, we spend time in community. As, <laughs> it's kind of funny, God could have done things a little bit easier to where we just go into our own individual pods. And we do that as we, as we study the word and we pray and we, we get to know God. But then he also says, okay, now take that back to the group, right? It'd have been a lot easier if we could have just done it, if faith would be an individual thing. But instead he says, no, go and do this on your own, but then gather together. Why does he do that? Because guess what? We're humans. We're going to make, make each other mad. We're going to get on each other's nerves. We're going to rub each other the wrong way. We're going to have conflict. And guess what conflict is? The price we pay for deeper levels of intimacy. Conflict happens so that we can see each other's and our own rough edges. Our, our, the corners that yet need to be worked on a little bit, Right? If I'm making you upset and I'm just offending you, guess what? I need to check myself. Or if you're doing, I, I might need to just say, hey, we need to talk about this because this is probably not okay. 
That's the way he geared us, the way he created us. That's his intention is he wants us to, to uh, experience that together. And then service. Service is when we kind of check our hearts, right? Service is when we get to check our motives of, am I doing this because of what I get or because I want to I help out with what I care for this person? I, I, I want to share God's heart. Or, or maybe we just don't serve, right? And maybe that shows us a little bit about where our heart is at. Um, we, it's so easy to get, uh, based in, it just so wrapped up into what we see, think, feel, want, and we forget what God does. Wisdom doesn't just come from intellectual effort. It comes from intimate experience. Wisdom comes from humility. It is God centered. Now let's contrast that with the other option that James talks about, pride. We have wisdom and we have pride. James uses uh, the Greek word here that, that is translated as selfish ambition. What that basically is meaning is it's shamelessly promoting ourselves. It's, it's going out and getting what I want, no matter what the cost. It, it kind of, if you get into some of the, the underlying connotations and uses of it, it's very political in its origin to where I'm actually uh, trying to be elected over you. I'm trying to sway public opinion at your experience, expense because I want this. And it actually can get awkwardly political at times and, and how this word selfish ambition gets played out. It's focusing only on our thoughts, our ideas, or those who have similar ones to me. It's, our, it's my bias. It's my prejudice. It's my viewpoint. It's all me, all now, all the time. It's self-advancement. It's my pleasure. It's my temporary happen, happiness. In the Old Testament, it has the equivalent word um, for pride or selfish ambition, and it's, it's ga'an, and it basically means arrogance, exaltation of self, and self-majesty. It's basically walking into every room, and here I am. Aren't you lucky that I'm here? This is my world. Y'all living in it, right? That's, that's, what, what, it want, that's what it wants, right? In Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18 Drops the mic on this one, right? Because pride is so natural for us. But what does the word of God say about pride? Pride goes before destruction. Pride goes before destruction. James gives us one of the biggest ways that pride or selfish ambition takes form, and that is jealousy. Jealousy is basically, it's this self-centeredness, but then it takes it up a notch to where it becomes a very active, fierce, zealous uh, pursuit with fervor, right? Like I am pursuing my own ambition, my own furtherment, my own uh, glory with zeal, and I will stop at no expense to get what I want and to get people to think I'm amazing. Instead of stepping back and getting understanding and perspective and wisdom, we put on blinders and we pick up the sword and we start swinging. Instead of being God-centered, we are self-centered. 
Then James kind of does this thing where he contrasts wisdom with pride. And, and I, I, I won't bore you, but, but if you actually look at the original Greek where it's written, and he actually kind of does this cool kind of poetic to where he builds on these words and the cadence and the rhythm. And it's, it's, it's kind of poetic and it would be lost on us. I remember growing up, my, my parents and a lot of people in my town spoke Plotdeutsch, uh, uh, which is low German. And they would, they would be talking and they would be da, 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 da. And then they would start laughing. I was, as a little kid, I was like, Hey, what, what was the joke? What was the joke? And they were like, ah, you wouldn't understand it. You know, it was like, no, just try me. Just tell me the joke in English. And it was sort of like the brown cow kicked the pail. I'm like, okay, but where's the punchline? No, that is the punchline, right? Like, like they would try to understand it, but apparently some stuff only translate. It only is in the original language. And, and, but in here, like, trust me, this is a good one that, that James does, right? Like he gets really poetic and people are like, boom, sing it again, James, you know, but he does this really cool compare and contrast thing to where wisdom, he says, is pure, peaceful, gentle, thoughtful to others at all times, mercy, life-giving actions. And it's cool because the word for good deeds, you remember how we've talked before, how our good deeds are fruit from a tree that grow from something deeper. He, he brings that back here. James's greatest hits, right? He's like, oh yeah, and remember the fruit tree of good deeds? He throws that in there. And so we're like, no, we're not working hard to do good deeds. It's just, it just flows out of what God's doing in our lives. Sensitivity, no favoritism, sincerity. Who wouldn't want that to be a description of us, right? Like, if we were to do a 360 review of ourselves and we ask the people around us, our kids, our spouses, our, our neighbors, our coworkers, they're like, oh yeah, yeah, Jason, he's pure, he's peaceful, he's gentle. He said, you know, I would be a good day if that would be the review on there. But sometimes it looks like James's other list of pride, bitterness, jealousy, cover-ups, lying, boasting, Disorder. That word disorder, kind of an interesting one, right? The word disorder actually, I'm going to see, I rehearsed this so many times, we're going to see if I can say it. Acatastasia. I mean, the word itself is a jumbled mess. <laughs> like, like it's, it's hard to say and understand, and it's just appropriate that it means order. It basically means this, instability, disturbance confusion. You ever have those days where you wake up and you're just panicked from the get-go and you, you don't spend time with God. You don't cry out to God. You don't, you don't, it's just immediately to your phone. You start thinking, oh my gosh, I have these texts. I have these emails. I have this to do. I'm going to have to deal with this today. And oh my gosh, this has been looming over. And, and just your day starts off a tumultuous wreck before your feet ever even touch the ground. It's a thing. I hope you never experience it, but it's a thing, right? And James is comparing these two lists of where when we live through the lens of pride, we are stressed from the get-go because every moment of every day, we're trying to prop up our own sovereignty. We weren't designed for that. We weren't intended or called for that. If we're saying this isn't working, guess what? It wasn't supposed to work. And I love how James throws in at the end, and every kind of evil. 
kind of like, just in case I forgot any, it's just, here we go, in every kind of evil, right? I really appreciated how Ali said this morning, and it's something that I've always just been so incredibly thankful for. I've been in, in churches my whole life, right? And I've had people, teachers and worship leaders that were fantastic and genuine and humble and, and just good and, and all that. But I've also been in some situations to where it was the opposite. And this was their show. And it was their time to shine. And it was like, woo, it was just, it broke my heart. I will never forget a worship leader in, in a youth group that I had. Uh, I was kind of new into the situation and, uh, and he was leading, he was a high school kid and he was leading and, and stuff and he was just rocking out and just everything like that. And, and, and rehearsals were horrible. Because it was all like, you need to do this and you need to do that. And everybody's battling and it's like, no, I need more of this. And, I, and it was just terrible. And it was just, it was like the most unlife-giving thing. And then they get up and like, hey, let's praise God today. You were just hating each other's guts moments before. Well, I'll never forget because this kid, he's up there and it's his time to shine. And he's singing and rocking out on the guitar. And all of a sudden, these, these very attractive young ladies come in the back of the room into youth group. And, and he starts in the middle of the worship song. Hey, ladies, how's it going? Uh, praise God. Praise God. Hey, let's talk afterwards. We love you, Jesus. Let's surrender our lives. Hey, seriously, how you doing? You know, and it goes on. And it was like he was completely misusing the opportunity and the gifts that he was entrusted with. And now granted, he was a high school kid. I probably, if I was musically gifted at high school, I probably did it way worse than that, right? Let's just be honest, right? Because I was a high school boy. I was stupid. But I remember just like shutting it. So like, yeah, we're going to cut the last five songs. We're, we're, I'm just going to be teaching right now, you know? But that was a prideful driven thing. And, and even something as pure as worship can be perverted and misused and abused based on the lens of wisdom or pride. Who do you want to be? Which life description do you want to live? What effect do you want to have on the people around you? Your husband, your wife, your parents, your kids, your classmates, your neighbors, the people in this church family, the people at your job, the people on your team the people around the world that we've never even met yet, right? Which do you want to be? You see, pride entices us to constantly push for what we think, what we want, what we feel, regardless of love. And we might say that I'm being truthful and I'm being like this, I'm doing that, but truth without love is not truth. Jesus connects truth and love. Speak the truth in love. And sometimes we can speak things that are very, very hard in a loving way. And people might not want to hear it or things like that. But, you know, as long as it's love, ultimately, I think that's what God calls us to do. But when we are operating out of pride... And we start to experience things like fear and anger and bitterness and resentment and jealousy and hurt. We kind of wonder why. 
Wisdom calls us to listen, to ask questions, to be curious, to lean in, to trust, to learn, to share. Not at the expense of truth, because guess what? If truth is truth, truth doesn't depend on me because it will remain true no matter what. But helping people understand the truth, now that's our task. To not run away from the truth of God. And I think too often we think in, with, with, with good intentions, we're trying to, to, to share the truth. But I think sometimes we actually are turning people away from the truth. The people that think differently than us are not our enemies. They are not who we are against. I had somebody call me this week and was talking about railing on how we have a demonic president and we have this and we have this and we have that. And I guess, guess what? Jesus died for him. Guess what? Jesus loves the person who believes differently than I do. My goal isn't to send them to hell. No, I want them to repent and to go to heaven. That's where, where my orientation. That's where my heart, that's what drives me is God's love for them and how he's broken by what's going on. But they are not my enemy. The enemy is my enemy. And how often it's so easy to lose focus of that. And I'm trying to be wise, but next thing you know, I'm getting bitter. I'm getting angry. I'm getting resentment. I'm getting jealous. I'm getting judgy. I'm getting all these kind of things. And I have to step back and say, okay, which lens am I using? Am I using wisdom or am I being driven by pride? This whole thing, and I, I probably rail on it too much for the whole thing of, that we see in our, in our world today is, hey, but that's my truth. I'm just speaking my truth. What does that even mean? Truth is truth, whether it's mine or not, whether I believe it, admit it or not. Truth is truth. I have my understanding of truth and you have your understanding of truth. So now let's get down, let's sit down at the table and let's get our understandings of truth down there. And then let's talk about it. Let's lean in. Let's listen. Let's learn. One of the counseling techniques that I've learned is instead of uh, putting the thing out on the table between a husband and a wife, well, guess what? If Nicole and I are sitting across the table of each other and this is the problem, guess what? I'm going to start firing. And like when you shoot a machine gun, it goes like that. And next thing you know, instead of shooting at the, the issue, I'm shooting at her because she's across the table. So instead of saying, no, we're going to sit next to each other. Here is the problem. What do we think about that? And instead of the other person becoming the problem, now that is the problem. And we are two human beings seeking after what God wants. Let's handle this a little bit differently. Instead of yelling at each other, we're together. That is wisdom. That is truth. That is pursuing truth. It's not downplaying it. It's not denying it. It's just humbly recognizing that we are all trying to gain wisdom and understanding and knowledge of the ultimate truth that the creator gives. As a pastor, it's broken it's heartbreaking sometimes at what I see in the stories that I hear and just the destruction that I see going on all over the place. Wisdom is having such a deep faith that we surrender to the God of wisdom. 
the God that sees everything, the God that his foolishness, his dumbest moment is astronomically more wise than my wisest moment. That's pretty humbling. He created us. He's sovereign. And so wisdom says, I'm going to align myself under, under his truth. I wish I had this all figured out. I wish this morning I could say, here are three easy steps. Here are five keys to memorize. Here is a foolproof method to do this. And you will walk out of here wise. Guess what? Wisdom takes time. Wisdom takes intentionality. Wisdom takes trust. Wisdom takes surrender. Wisdom takes a life of humility in letting God reveal his heart to us. It's a daily battle against our pride, against our selfish ambition. So how about you? Are you regularly seeking after God's wisdom? Are you regularly surrendering yourself at the foot of the cross and finding his truth in his word? Because a lot of times we attach all sorts of other stuff to it instead of saying, but what does God really say? And not just one verse or two verses, but the entire word of God. This morning, my devotional, um, one of the guys was, was saying the, the two verses, he was, man, just based on those two verses, like you could actually like get pretty legalistic on it. And we were talking about how, yeah, we have to keep things in context. Are we surrendering ourselves to the word of God? Are we praying? Are we listening to him? Are we finding ourselves surrendering in worship? So this week, I'd encourage each one of us to look at which lens we are using. And if we're not sure, pay attention, listen to ourselves, kind of do the, the, self, the self-check, right? Check our pulse. If we're consumed by, by anger and bitterness and jealousy and, and fear and judgment and, and things like that, maybe we're using the lens of pride. Or if we genuinely, here's, here's the test. This week, think of the person that drives you the most crazy in this world. The person who hurt you the deepest, the person that offended you the most, the, the whatever, like whatever your blood gets boiling from, pray for that person. Pray for God to do great things in their life. If we can't do that, or if in your mind, you're already like getting defensive and saying, yeah, but Jason, yeah, Jason, but like step back. Let's look at that Maui Jim logo. Do we see the logo or do we see the parrot behind the logo? Are we prideful? Or are we practicing humble wisdom? This is a really hard one because this could go a lot of different ways. But we don't shy away from this. The good news is really good news. It is freedom. It is deliverance. It is hope. It is love. It is joy. And it is so good that we should be pursuing that together. 
we shouldn't limit it. We shouldn't hide it. We shouldn't hide from it. We shouldn't kind of like hold on to the things in front of us because, well, I've always held on to it. And if I let go of it, then, then what do I have? Who am I, right? Let's lean into that together. If, there's, if you want to talk with anybody, man, talk to me. Talk to talk, anybody here, right? Connect groups is about connect group, about connecting. It's a group of people connecting together. I feel bad because I actually can't make it this week. We'll see. I don't know. But, but it is a time where we can get down on the mat together. Or if it's not appropriate in a setting, you know, of like 10, 15, 20 people, let's go grab coffee or lunch or let's just talk. I think God really wants to work in us in cultivating a life of wisdom and not just pride. God loves you and you matter to God. Let's allow God to grow in us a faith that is humble and trusting and wise. Let's pray. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for um, the fact that you don't just go through some simple little motions and then tell us good luck. (laughs) Instead, you actually, our daily lives, our interactions with each other, God, they really matter to you. And so God, help us if, if we are stressed right now, if we are fearful right now, I hear it all the time where people are so afraid of what's going on. God, we live in a fallen, broken world that is groaning for your freedom for your salvation, for your forgiveness. God, don't let us be the the glaring horizontal light waves that just cause strain and confusion and disorder and pain. But God, help us to cut through and to be the vertical rays of light that reflect who you are. God, help us to listen to ourselves, to watch ourselves. And God, just to surrender to you. God, use us as a family, as a community that can love each other and encourage each other and challenge each other. God, we want to represent you. God, we see the need every day for you. So God, I pray as we just wrap up, it's fitting that we end every morning worshiping you because God, you are God, we are not. God, I thank you for that freedom. God, we love you. We thank you so much for loving us first and praising your name. Amen. I invite you all to.